Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. Join me in your Bibles in 2 Timothy. Beautiful picture of the campus here. And uh, it's going to be a chance to look at Paul as he checks his heart. He's dying, you guys, if you've ever been, I've been with many people when they died, many meaning 10 to 20, including my own mother and my grandmother, and uh, nobody talks about the food on campus or the people they didn't like or what kind of car to drive. They talk about important stuff, stuff we should listen to no matter what our age. Second Timothy chapter 4, and it's Paul the Apostle. If your heart, I know you don't get to watch the news much, but if your heart isn't moved by the people of Ukraine and what's happening over there, one of the horrible tragedies we'll read about in history books, uh, the nicest people I ever, nicest Christians I ever met, or at least tied with others, were in Ukraine. I'm a two-week expert, so I'm not, I'm going to be careful, but on the streets, they looked like they were unhappy. It was right after the Iron Curtain fell, and they were, had been under communism. And now uh, they still look sad and depressed on the street. Forgive me if you're from there, but they told us that's the way you had to look. You couldn't look happy. In their homes, they sang worship songs like we just sang before they ate. They sang after they ate. They prayed together before they ate. They prayed together after they ate. It was, they're wonderful people. And these were strong Christians, of course, but uh, to, to a degree, maybe our prayers can make a difference and, and stop the madness. I don't know. What's in your heart? Do you care about that kind of thing? I want to talk about in your heart, especially to care about yourself. Second Timothy is his last letter probably know that. It's a letter in which he says, uh, come before winter uh, in the King James to, to Timothy. He's telling Timothy how to run the race, how to keep going, and ha- what his heart should be like. So it's, it's worth listening to. It's, it's the letter in which he says, come quickly because uh, if you don't come before winter, you won't get across the Adriatic Sea. It's going to freeze up and I'm going to die I'm going to die in March. He's sentenced to death because of his faith. So, let's pick him up and say verse 6. Look at verse 6. I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. Here's these famous three phrases about the heart. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. That's a symbolism. In the Old Testament, you offered a sacrifice. Put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. Put your hand on the head of the lamb. Why, Dad? Because it means you're trusting the procedure. God's going to forgive our sins, and the symbol is the lamb. He dies for our sins. So they put their hand on the head of the lamb. 
And at the end of a sacrifice, often they poured wine or water on. And they had actually a whole thing called a drink offering. Paul said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. So the symbolism is, this is the end of the sacrifice. His whole life has been a sacrifice. You guys, you know the sacrifices in the New Testament. I do. The first one is uh, in the priesthood of believers. We don't use lambs and bullocks and pigeons and grain offerings. We, we have one sacrifice, Jesus Christ. But we offer thanks offerings. The first one is present your body. No more illegitimate sex, no more hurting your body with drugs, no more using your body to hurt people. You, you present your body as a living sacrifice. That's a New Testament priest. In Hebrews 13, I just quoted, it, it says, offer the sacrifice of praise. We just did. It is finished. It's done. We believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, offer the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And don't forget to do good. That's three. Present your body, the sacrifice of praise, to do good. And it says to give money. That's actually called an offering. It's the only one that's called an offering anymore. So as a New Testament priest, how are you doing? You present your body to obey him. You worship you do good, you give offerings. And the fifth one is in Romans 15. It says the sacrifice of converts, that when you help with your prayers and your money and your witness, and somebody turns to Jesus Christ, that's the New Testament. That's what a priest does. Whoa. So those are five offerings in the New Testament. None of them for sin. Jesus did that. Now for Thanksgiving, we do these. And here's a sixth one. We don't choose this martyrdom. I am being poured out as a drink offering. Now you guys, forgive me if I'm not accurate, but probably never think about death unless you have some kind of condition. But Paul knows he's going to die in just a few months. He's sitting in jail, tied to a guard probably. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He's not complaining, he's just saying what he's facing. What would, you, what would be in your heart if you knew it was the end of life? Uh, the Jewish have a bunch of sayings from their rabbis, and one of, the, one of them, the rabbi says, repent the day before you die. And the story includes a response, but I don't know when I'm going to die. And the rabbi says, well, then repent today. Live your life every day as if that could be. The symbolism is, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And then he says, the time of my departure is at hand. Now that's realism. Death, look at it this way, some of you have lost parents, for sure grandparents, some friends, some people driving down 81 the other day, lost their lives in that snow squall. We don't know. The time of my departure is at hand, he knew. But what a way to talk about your death. Hello. The departure. On one side of the lake, they say, the sailboat goes, there he goes. On the other side, 
they say, what do they say on the other side? Here he comes. So the time of my departure, you don't ever cease. You leave this life and go to be with Christ or go to realize you squandered life away from Christ. But the time of my departure, Paul says, is at hand. Now, I don't like to give a talk without reminding us this is not for everybody. The, the, the person who comes to Christ comes to the cross as a child or as an adult or today or tomorrow. You believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he took every one of your sins. None of this nonsense about being punished for your sins. The punishment is hell, separation from God. He did that for you and for me. When I believe, that counts for me. So my sins are covered and punished and judged. In Romans 3, it says, we have a righteousness from God because Jesus atoned for our sins. So the second part is the righteousness of Christ covers you. Do you believe that? That you stand in front of a holy God saying, I'm with him, pointing to Jesus Christ. Your sins judged your righteousness given. And then we're called, you guys, to live like that. So that's Paul. He was big on the righteousness as a gift. Uh, the Reformation made it famous because people were always worrying about how they worked. If you grow up in a system of works, you're always looking at how'd you do today. But Paul is saying, I've finished the course, I'm done, I'm going to be with Christ. Would you have that confidence? Now, here's how he checks his heart and his faith, and here's what he says about it, this famous verse, but look at it for a heart check. Seven. In everything, that's the wrong chapter. Look at verse seven in chapter four. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've fought the good fight. What's the good fight? Well, it's not fighting in the church, and it's not fighting in the dorm, and it's not fighting with your family. <laughs> it's the good fight to obey Jesus Christ. It's a fight. Some of you have trouble getting up in the morning. Any of you? Hard to get up. The alarm goes off, and you say, wait, not yet. And your mind says, time to get up. Your mind says, do your final studies for that test. And your body says, no. The good fight is to obey Jesus Christ and to fight with yourself. Fight the good fight of faith is a, is a phrase at another place in the Bible. And it's the fight to obey Christ and to, and to work with him and to fight with him against evil and against the wrong things you would do. So Paul says, here's his heart. I wonder if I could say this tonight. I have fought the good fight. Meaning, I didn't fight about dumb stuff. I was 16, honest, and the, I was assistant head usher of the church. My brother was the head usher. He was 17. So I, it was sort of nepotism. He appointed me. But at the business meeting, they were fighting about blue and green to paint the wall to the new addition to the church. And I thought, I never want to go into the church work I was thinking about as a pastor. We fight about blue and green. I should have raised my hand and said, make it aqua. 
That's a mix of blue and green. The, the whole the fight that some churches do is crazy, but you can change that. Fight the good fight. Will you do that? Will you keep doing that? To obey Jesus Christ and don't fight about little stuff. Who cares what we think about some things? The issue is to obey Christ. And Paul's checking his heart, saying to Timothy, you've got to do this now. And I'm saying to you, you've got to do this now. So the, the, the direction of our life, don't fight about dumb stuff. Don't even, I say it carefully, don't even fight over Republicans and Democrats. Fight the good fight, which is to obey Christ and to keep going his way. Will you do that? Because you set your course right now. These are crucial years. There's an Irish novel. I didn't read the whole thing, but I read this part of it. George Moore writes about Irish workers who were working on the streets, on the roads, for the government. And they sang, his, his quote, they sang lustily as they worked and shoveled and built these roads. And then they found out the roads weren't going anywhere. It was just a gift from the government to give them a job. Moore's insightful statement, the men stopped singing as they built. The roads to nowhere are difficult to build. And that's right. You don't sing when your life's not gone anywhere or when you're living for yourself. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. My direction in life is to obey Christ. Will you do that? Keep doing that. You're doing it well, many of you. Get back to it if you drifted. The second thing he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. What's the race? We're not, as in normal races, running against each other. The race is to follow Christ. And he said, I have finished the race. How do you do that? Not everyone he talked to trusted Christ as Savior and came to faith. Jesus said at the end of the, his life, John 17, 4, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Huh? There were still lepers that needed to be healed. There were a lot of people who were blind spiritually and physically. But he did what he was supposed to do a day at a time. That's what endurance means. Just go, just do college one step at a time. Do what's right. Don't give yourself away sexually. Don't give yourself away morally in any way. You finish the race by going a step at a time. Sweet Jesus, do what's right and keep going. Will you do that? Will you keep doing that? Doesn't matter what you've, how you've been hurt in the past in one sense, it matters how you decide to live your life. I, I love the story about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You probably haven't heard him because it's been a while. I can't spell his name, but I, he, he wrote a book called Gulag, which is the name of a Russian prison camp. A gulag. In that Russian prison camp, he was imprisoned for truth and freedom. He lived in America for a long time. But he's in a Russian prison camp. An old man leads him to faith in Jesus Christ. You know what I mean, to trust him. But he's tired shoveling. He said all they did was shovel day after day, labor camp. And he decided to quit. 
He sat down on a makeshift bench thinking, I'm done. I'm going to be killed. And he had seen the guards do it. They'd kill someone and bury him. And he felt the presence of someone right beside him. He thought it was a guard about to slam him in the face with a shovel. Instead, it was the old man in the prison camp who led him to faith in Christ. All the man did was reach down in the dirt and make the sign of the cross. Solzhenitsyn writes, I knew exactly what, I meant, what he meant and got up and started shoveling again. That's like Hebrews 12. Endurance, keep running the race, considering Jesus, who for the goal set before him endured the cross, kept going for us. So when you get discouraged about church or life or people around you, the Catholics have it down, but we understand too. Keep going. Endured the cross, despising the shame. What's the endurance rate for Christians? It's not always so good. But if you fight the good fight, stay with what matters. Do what's right. You will, won't you? And make it to the end. A, a day at a time with your heart on Christ. The next one, oh, there's a picture of me water uh, windsurfing up in Lake Michigan. My wife took that. That's not true, but I love that picture. I always wonder, did he make it? How did he do? I think that's from Hawaii, actually. Amazing. That's just because two of you were falling asleep, and you know who you are. One over there? No. Here we go. The third one. Look at your heart. Integrity. He says, now in verse, still verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What does it mean to keep the faith? Um, the, it's the faith, Jude called it, a half-brother of Jesus. The faith once for all delivered to the saints. Huh? The faith is a content of beliefs. It's the faith we have in Christ, but it's also, it's what we believe about life, what we believe about the purpose of life, what we believe about marriage, how we honor Jesus Christ. Paul said, I have kept the faith. Do you know how many people in this room will drop out of the faith? I don't either, but uh, some of you will. People do it in the church. Where'd they go? I, I remember as pastor, and now I coach them. How do you keep track of people who walk out the back door? Sometimes they leave the faith. Huh? What does that mean? I don't, I don't know. What does it mean to leave a marriage? Well, yeah, it means a whole different way of life. Paul said, I have kept the faith. Integrity. That's who you are in the dark. That's who you are when you're all alone. That's how you bring your mind back to what's better when you're tempted to disobey. Will you do that? Your heart, that's the big deal. Your will, okay. Your, de your decision-making uh, conscience. If you check your heart for direction to fight the good fight, don't fight about dumb stuff. Walk away from those fights. Integrity, you, you, in endurance, you, 
you keep going, you finish your race. When will that happen? I don't know. When Jesus comes, when you're done with your life. When will, I, when will you know I'm faithful? Not yet, a day at a time. Keep the faith integrity. I took a Hebrew class on, on Ecclesiastes a long time ago now, but when, Paul, when Solomon said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, our prof said to call it soap bubbles of soap bubbles. It's gone. Vanity of vanities. Life, what, what is money? Ask, ask a guy who's on his bed, he's a billionaire and he's dying and he doesn't have any connection in his heart with Christ. Was it worth it? I don't think he'll say yes. Soap bubbles of soap bubbles. Solomon tried everything. He had a thousand wives and concubines. Man, that's a lot. Don't, he tried everything like wine and riches. And he said, it's soap bubbles. It, the heart must be tied to God or it will not have meaning, not have purpose. Do you believe that? It's, it's, it's easy to hear somebody say that. I know that. Do I believe that? The issue is, will I check my heart and, and go the right way? Look what he says in verse 8. It's so significant for the future. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He says, when, when he dies, or when Jesus comes again, the Lord will give him the crown of, just let me call it a grand finale for a heart that loves him. Will you, you don't have to think about dying, you don't have to think about the finale. You're young. But think about a day at a time, doing what's right, linked with Christ, and keep going. Will you do that? To do that, you've got to ask his help every day. Nobody in this room can do it alone. Live in combination with Christ. I coach churches, we said that, and I was at a church in Toronto, and met with their board Saturday and then all afternoon with their staff. And Sunday got to preach in the morning and they had an evening service. And we were sitting in the, the pastor's home that evening. His name's Kevin. A true story. I'll, I'll tell you when I'm making it up. This was a true story. And we're in a, in a, I'm eating a ham and cheese sandwich, had a little mustard on, if you're taking notes, and had this sandwich. And they had a big piano like this in their little condominium in Toronto, Canada. And I said to Gert, his wife, that's her actual name, Gert, do you play the piano? Because there it was. And she said, no. She said, do you? I said, well, I play by ear. Doc wouldn't like my playing, but I, I, I played when I was little. She said, well, play something for us. I said, no, no, you know how you do it. No, no. She said, play something. So. I, I went over to the piano and I said, okay, what's your favorite hymn? And she said, oh, worship the king. I said, that's probably the favorite hymn of everybody here at Clark's Summit. And 
I played it through, and she said, that's good. Do you know anything classical? I said, well, we have a daughter named Elise, so I learned for Elise when I was young, or when I was a young father. said keep going I said no that's fine she said keep playing it I said that's all I know and it was that's all I remembered so we sat down and had some lemon meringue pie it had meringue about that thick on it if you're taking notes and it's maybe that thick and then I thought no duh ask him if he plays the piano duh I said Kevin do you play the piano he said yeah I said will you play something for us he went over to the piano, and I'm not exaggerating, and for about 40 minutes played the most beautiful jazz I've ever heard. I love jazz. He played all the black notes. I played white notes and one B-flat, key of F. That's all I can play. I played for Elise four measures. You heard it. It wasn't quite right, but it was close. He played everything, all the notes, for a half hour. Now what if I had never asked Kevin? Will you play? All we would have had was few measures of worship the king. Sorry, Doc. For Elise, four measures. What if you never asked Jesus Christ to live in combination with you and to help you obey him and keep going and finish your race? You'll make it, but it'll be shallow. Paul said, there's a great reward for me. The issue that I want to say today is it's for us too. He said, not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing, who want him to come back, who will be glad when they see Christ, like you, like me, if I stay faithful. Will you do that? Paul said, yeah, I fought the good fight. Yeah, I kept the faith. Yeah, I kept going, but... Look what's ahead. You think today is good, living in faith, by faith in Christ. Where do you see him in person? Hello? No one will have a question-answer session before heaven starts. We'll fall down on our feet and uh, off our feet and melt. He is Lord of the universe. He's the bright, shining star. He's the source of all truth. He invented space. He put everything in orbit. He knows the stars by name. He feeds the birds. He heals the lepers. He changed your life and mine. And we'll be with him forever. That's the point here. So Paul's signing off and saying, here's where your heart ought to be. Here's where my heart is, and he says it with thanksgiving. And I just ask you, will you stay true to him and obey him? And always enduring, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, he's always earth. I think Timothy, to whom he's writing the letter, brought Mark with him, and they made it before winter. I like to think that. Luke is with him, the old man, the doctor. On a certain day in March of that year, they would walk him up the Ostian Way, 
the Roman executor had his sword and walked, and there were six guards, three on each side behind him. And then this, probably by that time, skinny, frail man named Paul. And they walk up. I can see Luke and Timothy and Mark scrambling up a little hill as, as Paul walks by. And Timothy says, you fought the good fight, Paul. It's okay. You're finished your race. You've kept your faith. And Mark quotes something from another th letter that Paul wrote that he had read, and it was, you know, our weight of, uh, the weight of the glory that's ahead is, is fantastic compared to your suffering, Paul. Wait till, you're, wait till you're with him. And Timothy maybe remembers, uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord and they get to the place and a shining sword takes off his head and he sees Christ and it's worth it check your heart do what's right stay with what you believe keep going my favorite running story I ran in races and was always very slow, but just to do it. And it was the story of Bill Broadhurst at Akron. I always prayed before the Akron Marathon, and Bill Rogers was there. You don't know his name unless you're a runner, but he's the most famous runner in America, would win all kinds of races, still runs senior races. And he was there. And I showed him this story, and he said, yeah, that's how it happened. Bill Broadhurst had had an aneurysm in the right side of his head when he was a baby or, I mean, a kid, and the left side was partially paralyzed, but he wanted to be in the same race with Bill Rogers, his hero. Hello. He ran in the race, the Pepsi Omaha, Nebraska, 6.2 miles, 10K race. Everybody, Bill Rogers would finish in 29 minutes and... I think 26 seconds, somewhere fast. Then a lot of great runners, and then a lot of joggers and joggers and more joggers, and then Bill Broadhurst. One hour and a half, two hours. It's getting dark in Omaha, Nebraska. True story. And as it's getting dark, some kids said, hey, mister, you missed the race. What's the problem? They didn't understand his paralysis. Two hours and 30 minutes. And Broadhurst is coming to the end, and he sees they've already taken the finish banner down. And he thought to himself, he said it, what's the use? But he decided to finish anyway. Two hours and 34 minutes. And he comes to the alleyway. He's on the sidewalk now. The police have gone home. He's discouraged. And out of the darkness of an alleyway there near the sidewalk steps Bill Rogers and about 30 people who heard the story and waited around. And he said as he crossed the finish line, Bill Rogers came out and hugged him as he finished, stumbled across the finish line, and Rogers took off the gold from his neck and put it on Bill Broadhurst. You're the winner, he said. And every time I tell that story or read it, I think of myself paralyzed by a thousand real and imagined fears, or are you? And we make it across the finish line, one step at a time, 
lives. We make it. And out of the darkness, or tomorrow night, or whenever Christ returns, or when you die, he gives the gold. Well done. Keep going. Finish the race. Will you do that? A lot of doing that is determined by when you're sitting here. If you say, yeah, that's scripture, that's, I got to do that, and I can do it with Christ as my companion and my combination as Lord. Will you? You got to. Let's pray. Thank you for Jesus the Christ who said, let there be light, and there was light, who said, let the sea be stopped, and it stopped, because he says so. And who said to anyone here who believes, let your sins be gone forever, and they are. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Take a moment, not out loud, but ask his help to go a day at a time, to finish the race, to obey him. you're not sure and, and you're just kind of connected physically but not spiritually, ask God to help you know what it means to trust Christ as Savior, Lord, and con combine with him for the rest of life. Thank you, God, for hearing us. Thank you very much for the eternal word, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray in his name, amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media, at Clark Summit U, and share your feedback.